Hello and welcome to Hosanna. I'm Pastor Jen Alexander and please hear me say, we believe the Lord led you here to help you grow in faith and look a little more like Jesus. After today's message, we encourage you to download the Hosanna app for more opportunities to connect and grow. Here's today's message. Hello, Hosanna. Happy Valentine's Day. I do love you all. And I'm grateful to be gathered this Ash Wednesday to remember and praise God for His great love. We're also incredibly blessed as a church to hear tonight from Pastor Peter Ide and his wife, Sherry. Peter has been serving God for decades as a recording artist, worship leader, and campus pastor for our Rosemount campus. And recently, he has been walking the very hard road of fighting cancer. It's a fight we are praying in faith that he will win. And their current circumstances have certainly granted Peter and Sherry the authority to talk about the themes of Ash Wednesday, mortality, eternal life, and God's love demonstrated on the cross. So now I encourage you to sit back and soak in the wisdom and love of Pastor Peter and Sherry Ide. Well, good evening. <laughs> Thank you. Good evening uh, to all our campuses and those worshiping online. We are so glad that you're here. And uh, for those of you who are first time here, welcome. Uh, what a privilege it is to have you here if you're first time here at Hosanna on this Ash Wednesday. Such a powerful night uh, that, we, that God had just forms in the time we come as a church and, uh, and worship. Was, it, was the worship good? Can we do that? Was it just wonderful? So good. I would like to introduce you to uh, my wife of 31 years and truly my best friend. This is my wife, Sherry. Hey there, everyone. I'm excited to be here. I am from both Peter and myself. I just want to wish you a happy Valentine's Day. And for us, this is our date night, and we are inviting all of you in to be a part of it. Uh, and I have something for Peter. Oh. I made you a Valentine. Would you be mine? Wow. You spent a lot of time on that one, didn't you? That's a, yeah. Well, I, I, I believe I have an understanding of the way to a woman's heart, and that would be chocolate, and specifically for you, dark chocolate. Well, so, yes. happy Valentine's. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I think I have one better. <laughs> my da our daughter, Allison. I was going to say mine, but ours. <laughs> it's ours. <laughs> All right. A giant Hershey kiss right. for you. Yeah, thank you. All right. <laughs> Although well, he needs to share with me. You all got to see that. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, I just thought, well, I tried to outdo you on this. So <laughs> we have, uh, I decided we should all have chocolate on every campus. So if you've been holding that chocolate when you came in, now's the time to take all that chocolate. Now look, if you're giving up chocolate for Lent, you're still okay, because we haven't got to the ashes and everything yet, so go ahead and take in that chocolate and enjoy. Enjoy, enjoy. Uh, tonight, we, we are gonna share our story, and uh, we're gonna both be sharing different parts of the story, and uh, so as we get started, I would like to begin with this. I would like you to right now, if you would, um, Oh, yeah, I forgot this other part. Okay, thanks. That's uh, why I'm here. <laughs> as I'm campus pastor in Rosemont, my wife is also a, uh, a mental health therapist uh, here in, in the cities. And uh, we want to introduce you. We raised our family here at Hosanna. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, since 2001. And so um, they're all big people now. And this is our crew right here. <laughs> and uh, we are uh, just blessed with them. And Allison here singing, and, uh, and it's, just, it's just really, really wonderful. Okay, got that. Thank you. All right, that's why she's here. <laughs> is look, I want you to do this little interaction with me. And what I want you to do right now on all our campuses, if you would, I'd like you to look around, and I want you to find all the things that are blue. So if you were to look around, just look at each other, it's okay, they'll be fine. If you look at each other and look at the different things in the room, what are things that are blue? When you see that, when you look for things that are blue, now they stand out, might be shirt, shoes, decor, whatever it might be, but as you look at those things, they stand out. Now if I said to you, let's meet in the blue room, maybe that's not the room you pick, but now, because you're looking for blue, you'd say, oh, let's go to that blue room, because when you look for blue, it stands out. Here's our, I want you to hold on to that thought. Here's our story. On August 28th, um, we had just got back, Sherry and I, from a weekend of just a date getaway. We were down in southern Minnesota watching eagles on the Mississippi River, just enjoying some wonderful food. And on the 28th, I had a regular checkup with my primary care doctor. So I uh, went in there, walked out, clean bill of health. It was great. That night, in the middle of the night, uh, when I was trying to sleep, I ended up with some amazing, painful uh, stomach pains. They were ever like something I'd never experienced. To the point of I'm trying to stretch, I'm up, I'm walking around, and it was excruciating. In the morning, I decided I'm still gonna go in, into my campus. And while I did that, um, a couple staff members looked at me and said, you should really go, you should really go in. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a guy, I'll figure this out. You know, I'll be fine, I'll walk it off. Well, as it went along, um, I got, went home, tried to just rest a little bit. And then uh, we went for a walk, Sherry and I went for a walk that day, and I couldn't even make it a block. And Sherry looks at me and says, if this was me, you would take me in. And so we went into the Burnsville ER and went through a whole gamut of tests, a blood test and different things that they all checked. And then they decided to do a CT scan. And I never had one of those. And so when we were done, um, we were waiting for the results. And we waited and we waited and we waited. At one point, the nurse who had been tending to us came in and we asked her, hey, this is taking a long time. What, uh, when, when we get to see the doctor? And her hesitation in her answer started to cause us to go, oh no, there's something bigger going on. When the doctor finally came in, he put the, all the results up on the screen and he pointed to two areas in my body, he pointed to my colon and my liver, and he said these words, he says, we're pretty confident this is cancer. I call it a stage four. Stage four is when it goes beyond one organ into another. And we were just numb. Our skin is tingling and we're focused and we're, we're trying to focus on what he's saying. The doctor then says, you know, I will, uh, I'll get you, get you lined up with an oncologist in a couple days. And when he left, um, to just finish some paperwork and everything, I left, I went into the bathroom and I, I just shook. I couldn't stop my body from shaking. And I remember saying out loud in that bathroom, just saying, God, what are we doing? What's going on? What is happening? What are you doing? What do you want? Because at this moment, I had become face-to-face -face with my mortality in a way that I never have. And I was overwhelmed. 
We came out, we got all the paperwork, started to walk out of the ER, experiencing something different than we had when we walked in, and I'm holding Sherry's hand tighter than I ever had before, grateful that I'm, I have her and we're not doing this alone, but life was gonna change. Yeah, so we drove home that night, stunned. I think we didn't talk all the way home. And we got home probably around midnight, and we're thinking, what in the world are we going to tell our kids? And it still, of course, still gets me. What are we going to tell our kids? They knew we went to the ER, but we can't tell them anything because we don't really know enough. We can't tell anyone else anything until we tell our kids And the next day, we were scheduled, or Peter was scheduled with some of our kids and some of the Hosanna band to go to Crossroads Chapel at the State Fair and to lead worship for three different sets. So we're like, do we go? Do we not go? Do we call another worship leader? And we're like, you know what? We're going to go. We feel like we are to go. We just knew we couldn't talk about it with anybody when we got there. And so the next day, we got to the State Fair, and as as the spouse, as the wife, I just felt sick inside the whole time. I couldn't swallow, and I'm like, Lord, what is going on here? What are we going to do? So I I did cancel my day of work because I needed to funnel all the phone calls and schedule and that sort of thing, and I I just remember um, going out back where I was doing the phone calling out beside um, the building, and I remember looking at someone walking by, and I just thought, you are free because you don't have cancer in your body, or someone else walked by, and I'm thinking... You're free. You don't have this big, huge burden that you're carrying. And it was so hard. The very thing that I never wanted to face in my life was death. And now mortality was just front and center in our lives. And just that was hard to keep the panic down and really the desperation we were feeling. He was leaving worship. And I tell you, worship songs sound very different when you're looking at mortality in the face. But I have to say, the day was not void of God's presence. When I think of Ash Wednesday and mortality, we look at our own mortality on this day as we go into Easter. But then there is the presence of God, and there's what Jesus did, and there's Valentine's Day with the greatest love. So here's what happened. So it was a third set of worship. So there's the stage in front of me, and there's bench, and there's people, and I'm standing back a little ways. And as the worship began, I was engulfed by the presence of God. And it, it was amazing. It's, it's almost like the angels were singing with. And I could just tell that worship was going way beyond the distance that it normally does. And then Adult and Teen Challenge, they had about 20, 25 of the residents and staff in the crowd singing and dancing. And if anyone knows Adult and Teen Challenge, when they worship, heaven comes on down. So for me, God gives me images. He gave me a number of images that day, but the one I want to share with you is he gave me this picture of an umbrella. It was a large umbrella, like a little girl umbrella, kind of white, kind of fluffy, but very large. And I knew that within the bounds of this umbrella was the presence of God. It was protection. We were safe. Now, outside the walls of this umbrella, so to speak, was without God. And that's where death and destruction was. And it was swirling around And I knew it could not get into the presence of God underneath where that umbrella was. And then I thought then, and I think of now, Romans 8.15. We have not received, you or me, we have not received a spirit that is a slave to fear, which is exactly what I was enslaved to. We have not been given a spirit that is enslaved to fear. We have been given God's spirit when we were adopted as sons and daughters. 
and we now can call him Abba Father, Daddy. So intimate. Now, on this umbrella, there was a handle, but it was high up, and I'm like, handle, why do we need a handle? Well, to hang on to the umbrella, right, and the wind and everything that's going on, but I had to reach up, and I just had this picture of reaching up to grab the handle. I'm grabbing the hand of God to hang on tight because he is the anchor, and that presence that presence just filled me, and I knew that God didn't give us this to abandon us and leave us alone. His presence was with us then, and his presence is with us now. So we make it through the state fair, and, uh, and then following that following Saturday on the 9th, uh, we ended up, uh, Pastor Pear uh, had assembled a prayer service, and this was quite a Saturday morning. Um, 300 some people showing up at the Rosemont campus to come and pray over myself and Sherry and our family. And it was, it was uh, amazing. Um, it, but it really decided, found it to be a catalyst. The verse that was prayed over us um, was specifically Psalm 118, 17, which is where David writes, he says, I will not die, I will live, and I will tell the great stories of the Lord. And we were committed to that. And it, 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 there was this lifting and this power that we started to feel just with God's presence and what he was doing. On Monday, that September 11th, I started chemo. And the doctors decided because I have, it's a rare cancer that I have and uh, the kind that it is. And they just said, we're going to be really aggressive. And so we're going to give you the kind of the high octane cocktail. And they weren't kidding. If you know anybody who's ever gone through chemo or you've gone through it yourself, uh, there's no manual for this. And it's not just like, oh, the hair thins or you lose all this weight or all the uh, functions that don't seem to act the way they did before. It's even more so that how it takes a toll on your mental and your emotional side and your spiritual side. And found herself just going, just overwhelmed and, and not knowing how to handle what the body was doing. So we decided, we just said, we had to focus day by day is what we needed to do. We just need to go one day at a time and just figure out how we're gonna manage this and create a new rhythm in our life. You know, one of the things that we discovered was this was that we had to decide if we're gonna have a kingdom lens or we're gonna have a human perspective lens. Are we, gonna, are we gonna look at it from the earth or are we gonna look at it from the kingdom? You know, tonight and most of the Sundays that we have in our, in our church, we have uh, communion. And most often we always talk about the Lord's Prayer, right? And it says, you can say, of all the campuses, we can say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Here's the key line on earth as it is in heaven. When we think of eternal life, we often think about going, well, that's when we die. So when we die, we get to go to this place where there's no more pain, no more hurt, no more sour, sorrow. It's a beautiful thing, right? All those things. But the truth of the matter is that when you enter in relationship with Jesus, eternal life begins now. Kingdom on, as it is in heaven is now on earth. And when we started to kind of press into that ourselves, we found ourselves seeing things a lot differently that we probably had never looked at before. When you think about the fact that eternal life happens in that relationship, immediately it changes your perspective of how you're gonna dive into things, how you're gonna live into things. And so we started to ask God this question. God, what do you wanna do? What are you doing? God, what do you want us to see about you? How do you want to show yourself? What is something that you want that we haven't seen that we need to know that's going to help us in this journey that is just going to be so incredibly hard? So 
amazingly, we started to see blue everywhere. Now things were showing up that we hadn't seen. Worship, devotion in play. We were seeing blue. We were seeing it was standing out, God's kingdom and what he was doing and his presence through people. We were getting, all of a sudden, the Lord is bringing us opportunities to connect with people all around the country who not only would help us give us or help us with resource but, and help us with understanding the type of cancer I have, but also how to fight it. And they would just say, we're with you, we're for you, we're gonna do this together. And so we found just this beautiful part of this blue was showing up everywhere when we were looking for the blue. You know, later on in that chapter where Jesus talks about the Lord's Prayer, in in Matthew 6, 33, he actually says these words, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seeking, see the blue. And all of a sudden we found ourselves being just, God was adding not just resources and people, but also in our hearts, in our souls, we were finding strength that we had never experienced before. And it was powerful. So, so powerful. Hmm. Yeah, so having a kingdom lens, how do we do that? How do we have a kingdom lens versus a human perspective for us and hopefully for you guys as well? So. I remember back many, many years ago, um, there was just a spot in my life that for whatever reason I was living in utter fear, I don't know, spiritual attack, what it was, but the fear was so large and so big, it was impacting my kids, my older, older kids were all little, it was impacting me trying to do work, and uh, I talked then to a very godly woman, many of you know her, but Kathy Stranyard, who's been around Hosanna forever, on the phone with her, explaining to her what was going on, and she, God gave her an image to give to me, and this is what it was. It was, if you're in a playground, and you've got the bully over here, the enemy, and you've got God over here, and of course, he who is in us is greater than he who is against us, but when my lens, when I was focused over here, the enemy was so large, evil was so large, uh, and I was beside myself, and she said, what you need to do is turn your lens to God And he takes his rightful position, and the enemy gets small. And I did that, and it was a very short time, and the fear vanished. It was amazing. So how do we do that here? How do we do that now in this situation? For me, at the beginning of the cancer journey, and still sometimes now, I'll find myself absolutely paralyzed. And I'm a big believer in God. It's God. That's all it is. There's no plan B. It's just God. And yet, I would find myself paralyzed. I have no words. I can't pray, and I'm stuck. And God, in all of his generosity, he put two strangers in our path at just the right time, beginning of September, Krista and Scott. And it was neat. I just talked to her again just the other day, and it was fun just to catch up with her. Um, But what what they did for a chunk of time is she, she reminded us, prayed over us, and claimed over us first... 2 Timothy 1.7, which is God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but he gave us a spirit of love, of power, and of self-discipline. And I pray that over you guys as well to know that. And I knew that. But somehow I was still paralyzed in fear. I was still just stuck. And she said, you know, Sherry, I am going to help you put on the mind of Christ. I'm going to give you words, because what I was doing, all my what-ifs, and I don't know what situation you might be in right now, but those what-ifs are really can be dangerous. What if Peter dies? Peter and Sherry, there is no just Sherry. What if, and I know Peter had his what-ifs. Our kids, a couple are over here, had their own what-ifs. 
And so she said, kingdom, a lens of kingdom for your what ifs. And I wanted to read you the what ifs she gave me, and I'm hoping that it really touches your heart for whatever circumstance you might be in. But we want a kingdom lens when we think about our own what ifs. We want to reframe them. So what if we have victory? What if Peter is healed? What if this brings God glory? What if we experience a season of miracles? What if we are surrounded with support? What if the enemy is scared of us? What if we've raised hell and caused so much damage to the kingdom of darkness, the enemy is actually getting weak? What if this makes us stronger? What if this increases our ministry? What if our path is laid out with divine appointments? What if my husband lives and doesn't die? What if we have so much peace that it confounds the enemy's efforts? What if we truly learn to cast this care on God and give others the same breakthrough? What if the doctor's lives are changed because God shows up in impossible ways? What if we walk this out with grace and Peter has a long life? What if, yeah, there's a big difference between the what ifs I that were echoing in my mind. You know, and I think it's important to know, and I think, I think this is key. We fight not because we know the outcome. We live in a way that we're living not because we know the outcome. We fight and we live because we know the position that we fight from. We're not fighting from a position that the enemy wants us to fight from, which is fear. We're fighting from a position of God and kingdom and Jesus, and that is victory. Jesus already won the victory. So yeah. We fight yeah. from that position. Yep. Amen. <laughs> we fight and live because of the position we know from. When you have a kingdom lens, when you see the blue, when you step into that eternal life, and you, and you step in and, and start from there, uh, you may not realize, but you actually have an advantage. And it doesn't always seem like that with the things that can make us afraid and things that are in front of us. I love the story of David and Goliath. We all know the story, big, huge, giant, little, little David, slingshot made out of sticks. That's not actually how it happened, but it's kind of what we remember, right? David, in that contest, we always say it's David overcoming the big giant, but actually David had the advantage, and he had the advantage in this way. Goliath, this big giant, wanted him to fight the way he wanted him to fight. He wanted him to come up, do hand-to-hand comment, to do it the way he wanted to do it. Yet David was actually what was called a slinger. And in that time, like in the military, slingers were ones that actually, they had a sling with rock and they could knock a bird out of the air at three, I mean, 300 feet in flight, they could knock a bird out. It was incredible. David knew his advantage and he knew God was with him. So he's not gonna go and fight the way the enemy wants to fight. He's gonna fight from his position, not knowing the outcome, but other knowing that he knows that God is with him, God's gonna, God's gonna bring victory and he's gonna step into it. And when he, when he did that, obviously he defeats the giant. But it's the perspective of the kingdom lens, not the human lens. The human lens says this, the challenges of this life are overwhelming and there's nothing we can do. Cancer is overwhelming, there's nothing we can do. The kingdom lens says this. It says, I see blue. I can see what God is doing here. I can see what's happening. I don't know the outcome, but already 
Jesus has defeated death. Can we hear that truth? We get to have the kingdom lens because Jesus died, rose, he defeated death. The victory is already won, and we get to step into that position no matter what is in front of us, and we get to face whatever this earth and might be. Think about it this way. In our lives as followers of Jesus, we think, can't we look at cancer and say cancer is the underdog? It's not, it doesn't have the advantage. Bitterness, if you have bitterness, is the underdog. How about, you know, fear? Fear is the underdog. Maybe it's sickness. Sickness is the underdog in the kingdom of God. And I would say that Satan is all, and all his empty promises is the underdog. They are not the one who has the advantage. When we put on that kingdom lens, it changes everything. And it's something that God allowed us to do because of Christ, because of what Christ has done. We have this blue everywhere. And when you look for it, you see it, and we get to lean into it, step into it, and choose to live from it. I don't know what's gonna happen. And for a lot of us in life, we have no idea. We don't know what's gonna happen with this cancer. We don't know the outcome. But all of us can live in this with this very phrase. If I die or if I live, either way, I win. If I die or if I live, either way, I win. We can all step into that. And the great part is, is that the promises will not be unchanged, the promise of eternal life. And the love of Christ is evident and strong, and there's nothing that can overcome his love. So it's Valentine's Day. Is there any greater love than this than one would lay his life down for his friends? Today, tonight, we're gonna be stepping in to this time of ashes. And in that, um, the ashes represent our mortality, okay? That's just what it represents. But that cross that goes on your forehead, that's the key. It's the reminder of the work of God that he loved you so much that he would send his son. Not just to have heaven, but to have kingdom, eternal life, right as you sit in your campus or sit here this, this evening. That is the greatest love. And that cross, may it remind you of what, that God is for you and even what's possible, that there's so much out there that is possible, that God has so much for you. You're made for so much more. So as we enter into that time, we just pray that your heart will be open to that. That whatever you're deciding and whatever God is calling into you in this time of Lent in these 40 days before we get to the celebration of the greatest part of a believer at all, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the defeat of sin, amen? amen. So as we pray, I just invite you, let's not be like it was in the past, let's not live it like it normally is supposed to be, Let's live in the eternal life, in the love of Christ right now and see what God has. Let's pray together. Would you pray? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Heavenly Father, it is no coincidence that we have Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day on the same day. Oh, Lord, mortality and the greatest love ever that has provided the way. Lord, let this season of Lent be like no other. Ignite a fire under everyone online, every campus, everyone in the room, Lord Jesus, that this is gonna be 
really the, the 40 days of drawing closer to you. Lord, just reach out and touch each person tonight. Let them see the blue as they have the ashes and have as they depart tonight. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and what you did. In Jesus' name, amen.